Great to see everyone. Hope you're enjoying our service. Uh, I know some of you had a late night with the, with the Ohio State game, so you hung in, you persevered, and you're back for the early service today. So hats off to you. Good job. It's great to see you. We're continuing third week in our series called Christian Atheists. And, and as we think about that, we realize that a- almost everybody knows who Jesus is. Almost everybody likes Jesus. Um, Almost every religion has some high regard for Jesus, but most people don't know what Jesus taught, what he said. And when they find that out, they don't particularly appreciate everything that Jesus said. And so we're talking about Christian atheism, and, and that's just a term that we use for somebody who we say that we're a believer... But yet there are some areas in our life that we act like a non-believer. We say that we're a follower of Christ, but in certain areas of our life, we really don't follow Jesus. We do our own thing. We believe in Jesus. We just don't believe Jesus in everything that he's telling us. And so that's what we want to confront today. That's what we're talking about And here's uh, how scripture speaks to that. Titus says this, Titus 1.16, says they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him. He's saying they have profession without practice. They have creed without deed. He continues uh, talking about that. He says he describes them being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. You see, we can't just trust in Christ for our eternal life. We need to trust Christ for this life, trusting what he says. Um, as we look at this, I, I remember um, I heard a pastor friend of mine, pastor from Ohio, another place in the state, and he, he said, Christian atheism has done more to damage Christianity than atheism has. And, and we get that when we hear people like Gandhi saying, yeah, I like Christ, I just don't like his followers, you know, kind of a thing, who's not a Christian. And so, actually, Jesus speaks to this issue And that's what we're going to look at today. So I'd invite you to turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And so let me set the context for you. One day Jesus is is teaching. It's relatively early in his ministry. He's up in the region of Galilee. A lot of people are following him. He's near what we call the Sea of Galilee. And he's on the slopes that are on the eastern side And those slopes that gently kind of roll down, they're grassy, I've been there, they roll down to the the edge of the lake, and there are several kind of natural amphitheaters there where he could teach thousands of people. And in that setting, Jesus delivered his most famous sermon ever. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And as he starts delivering that sermon, it starts out, maybe what we would call today a little bit warm and fuzzy. He says things like this, blessed 
are the poor in spirit. And blessed are those who mourn and hunger after righteousness. And blessed are those who are hated for my name's sake. But as he continues in his sermon, it gets a little harder. Truths that are a little harder for the people to digest. He says this, you heard don't murder, but I say if you're angry with someone, you're guilty. You've heard don't commit adultery, but I'm telling you if you even lust in your heart, you're guilty. He says things like, don't, that was controversial at the time, just like today. Don't divorce your spouse unless your spouse has committed adultery. He says, hey, you say love your neighbor. I'm telling you, love your enemy. And he just piles that on and people were blown away and they've never heard this kind of teaching before. Then as he closes his most famous sermon, he ends with a sobering challenge that basically says, hey, all this stuff I'm telling you, these are not suggestions that you should take or leave. Here's what he says in Luke 6.46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So he's wrapping up his sermon And he looks at the people there, just like he'd be looking at us today, and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you don't do what I say. Could you imagine how the people would have felt as they were hearing that from him? Or or let me put it this way. What, What if you had breakfast with Jesus this morning before you came to church? And in between a couple of bites of eggs, and as you're kind of shoving pancakes in your mouth across the table... He says, hey, Kevin, why do you call me Lord and you don't do life the way I'm telling you to do life? It would cut us. How how would you respond to that? Hey, why do you call me Lord, but in this area that you're struggling or this area that you have a, a trouble in or this, you're not doing what I've told you to do. That's exactly what's happening. And this this double use, it's not just Lord, but Lord, Lord, this signifies emotion. But even an emotional confession of Christ without following through, without obedience, it's inconsistent. And so as they're pondering that question, well, why, why, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I'm saying? And believe me, they would have had a lot of questions all through this sermon. Then Jesus wraps it with a parable to illustrate what he's saying. And here's what he says in Luke Luke 6, next verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he's like. He is like a man building a house who who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. See, that's how he starts out. So we've heard this before, probably. This is that, that parable of the one man who builds on the rock, another man on the sand, no foundation. And, and so he lays that out. And basically what he's telling us is all of us, we all build our life on a foundation. We all build our life on something. And the question is, what is it? That's what he's telling us. 
And unfortunately, we can see people all around us every day building their lives on what amounts to no foundation at all. Shaky foundations at best. And if you're a Christian, it's when you hit the hard times, the difficult situations, the things that you never thought you would experience, life turning out the way you never thought it would be, those are the times that reveal what foundation you built your life on or that you're building your life on. Because we all think, hey, I'm a Christian. My foundation is God. I mean, my rock is Jesus. I'm a believer. Okay, but when things get really hard, when things get tough, when life gets messy, do you really do what God is telling us to do? What are you really building your life on? Because this is when we falter. This is when we can see whether we have a foundation or not. When life gets messy and somebody says, and a lot of times you already know, this is what God says, but you're thinking that that's not going to, you're just taking that as a suggestion and that you're thinking, no, I think I have another way of dealing with this or, well, this is the exception to the rule. You know, we're all experts in thinking that we're the exception. Happens all the time. I don't know if you've been like a door guy at an event or something, you know, when people don't have tickets, everybody thinks, you know, they, they can get in. I remember one time years ago, we had a, a major league baseball player here and he was going to come and, and say a few things and uh, and so we planned to come in, but he has on very limited time. He was good enough to stop by, but he had like no time for autographs. And so he told us in advance, no autographs. So we're telling all our people, no autographs, don't even ask, not doing it, not happening, no autographs. And so the event happened. And I remember there being there early and some people came early. I, rem- I think it was the first couple of guys that walked in what was a very plugged in man at our church. He's, he's not here today, but he, he walked in with his teenage son and they're carrying a baseball bat. And I'm like, what are you, what are you carrying the baseball? Well, we're going to get this autograph. Yeah, but there's no, oh, well, he won't mind. You know, it's just like, whoa, we said no. And it's not, it's not like you're even being sneaky about it. You're carrying a bat. What's going on? And, and, and it's not just other people. I mean, I struggle with it myself. Talking about events, one time uh, back we were trying to get, like, uh, to reach our community, we were trying to get musicians who appealed to a secular crowd but were actually believers. And so we're trying to work that angle. And we brought in a guy named, a country singer named Randy Travis. And so we brought him in, and it was a paid a concert that he was coming in for Sunday night. But on Sunday morning, we arranged for him to be with us at church. But what had happened Sunday morning is we realized a bunch of people that were in church were not able to get tickets because we sold out like 1,300 seats, boom, gone. And so I realized, wow, here's our own church people. And again, the event was really for outside people, so we get that. But here's our own church people. They don't even have a chance to see him. And, and so the agent said, hey, He'll do an interview with you on Sunday morning on the platform, which we did right here. 
And, but he said he cannot sing. No, under no circumstances can he sing. He's doing concert after concert after concert. He cannot sing on Sunday morning. Do you have this, Kevin? Yeah, I got it. He cannot sing. Do not ask him to sing. Okay, I got it. And so we do the interview. Some of you might remember this. And then my last question of the interview was this. Randy, you know, your agent told me there's no way you can sing. And hey, we understand that. You got a busy schedule and everything. But... If you were to sing, what would it sound like? <laughs> and then he sang a hymn. Does anybody remember that? And then he sang. See, we're experts at thinking, hey, I'm the exception to the rule. I don't have to follow the rule. I'm the exception. I can do it a different way. We're experts at that. We all are. And it's the same way in our Christian life. Well, God says do this. Well, yeah, but in my situation, it's it's different. God's rule doesn't apply here. I've got to figure this one out on my own. It's what we do. I hear you, Jesus, good advice. But for my situation, it's not really practical. Not for me, not in this. We justify our wrong behavior or our anti, because we don't even think it's wrong. We justify going against what God has told us. We justify it. We give ourselves a pass because we think our situation is unique and, and God's rule doesn't really apply. So we know in this story that Jesus tells to illustrate the point, we know that uh, he's going to talk about these storms. He's saying storms will come. And whether your life will hold up against those storms, whether you will be able to stand against them, is determined by what you build your life on. And he's telling us we must build our life on the foundation that will stand, that will endure, that will withstand the storms of life. Because the storms are coming. You're either in a storm or a storm's heading your way. There will be storms. And he continues this way in the next verse, verse 48. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood, when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So Matthew's ad, he records this same uh, historical event and he adds a few more details, but we know, okay, we're talking about a storm. The storm creates a flood. The flood, you know, hits these houses. That's the, the picture that he's given us. But I want you to notice, both builders, the one on the rock, the one without a foundation on the sand, both builders experience the storms. Don't believe the false teachers who say that if you become a Christian, you will not have storms in your life. Don't believe the health and wealth prosperity gospel that says, hey, you follow Christ and bad things won't happen to you. Jesus said, you will have trouble. The storm is coming. That's what he's telling us. And of course, he's using, by way of illustration, a physical storm. We saw that in Kentucky, what it did to some churches that we were connected with. And, and you guys responded to that. You sent money. We sent a team down there last week and, you know, just great stuff. 
And that's the picture that Jesus is giving us. Here, here's, here, here's an example of, of a house on a foundation withstanding a storm like this. This is a, a flood in Canada, and this was a whole neighborhood, and this one house, not that one, this one house here is the only one that stands that whole time. Now, it's like looks like that. It's a museum because it stood because its foundation was on the rock. Or just three years ago, Hurricane Michael hit Florida. And in Mexico City, Florida, this is what this neighborhood looked like. And you had this one house that was standing. And so they're talking to the guy. You know, what? Actually, to the left of this picture was a whole row of townhouses. I saw the before picture. And they're just gone it just leveled. And they're like, well, what, what'd you do? And the guy, he built his house beyond code. You know, the code said, well, you gotta have, you know, piers down 20 feet deep for footers. He did 40 foot deep. The code said you gotta build for, uh, you build for 120 mile an hour winds, which that was 150 mile an hour winds and just scraped everything right off the beach. But he built for 240 you know, mile an hour winds. And he goes through this storm. All the, the only thing that happened as it wiped these other houses completely out is he had an outside ceiling fan that got ripped down and took a little bit of the outside ceiling with it. And two windows had cracks. And his house was fine. Why? Because he planted those pillars 40 feet down to get down to rock where he could build his foundation. And that's the illustration that Jesus is using for us. And the question is, what is your foundation? So what is the foundation, by the way? The foundation is not saying that you follow Jesus. The foundation is not being a Christian. The foundation is not saying Jesus is your rock. It's not hearing his words. Hearing Jesus' words is not the foundation. Hearing his words and appreciating his words is not the foundation. It's hearing his words and doing his words, obeying. You see, the amount of biblical knowledge you have does not help you in the storm. It's how much you apply the biblical knowledge you know in your life that makes the difference. And people get confused about that. And please understand, I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about, you know, we're, we're talking about obedience, do what he says, and then some people, you know, you, you struggle with sin or there's certain sin in your life and, and you get tempted and you fall to that sin and then you're broken over it and you're praying to God about it and you're repenting, you know, and then maybe it happens again. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is maybe your life looks great, but when you come up to issues in your life, you rely on your own smarts, your own wit, your own knowledge, your own way of what you think you should do to navigate the situation instead of responding how God has told us to respond. That's when you're not building your life on the foundation. Because obeying what he says for us to do, doing life the way he tells us to navigate life, that's the foundation. And following him like that will help you to face any storm. 
And why don't we do that? Because we question God. We think our circumstance is different. The rules don't apply exactly. Well, it's kind of like this. Recently, my oldest grandson started kindergarten, or first grade. So he turned seven, and he's in first grade, just started first grade, and he didn't know how to ride a bike, a two-wheeler. And I had been telling Zach, you know, hey, Zach, Toby, he didn't ride a two-wheeler. You need to teach him that. But, you know, Zach's working all the time. But then it kind of hits Zach. Oh, he's starting first grade. I haven't taught him how to ride a two-wheeler. So Zach takes him out, and Zach's thinking, you know, this might take a couple days, but I need to knock this out. Walks him to the park across the street from their house, and, and Toby already has a two-wheel bike, and it's not just any two-wheel bike. It's the rocket, all right? He's got the rocket. Toby has the rocket, so he is ready for anything. So they get to the park, and then Zach starts giving him instructions. Zach says, well, you gotta get over this, and you gotta put one one foot on the ground, and then you got these pedals, and you get them up there, and then you push off, and then push down with the foot on the pedal, and then you start going. And by the way, you gotta keep going fast. You gotta keep your speed up, because the faster you go, the easier it is to keep your balance. And Toby's, but, but that doesn't make any, and Zach keeps going. And you gotta watch where you're going, keep your eyes in front of you, because if you hit something, that's gonna mess you up. You gotta watch for bumps and all that. And if there's a car anywhere, you know, you go off into the grass. And so he's giving him the whole nine yards, right? And then finally, Toby's like, well, why? And Zach's like, why what? And Toby's like, why is it that you have to go fast in order to keep your balance on the bike? Okay, well now Zach has, he's got some options here. He can start trying to explain the physics of motion and energy, you know, but he realizes Toby's not gonna get that, right? And I don't know that Zach could explain that to him either, but I mean, I couldn't. So what does he say? Zach says, just trust me. Just trust me. Yeah, but I have some questions. Yeah, I know, uh, but I, I, we can't take the time to go into that. We don't want to take the time to do that. Just trust me. Will you just trust me? And so sure enough, Toby pushes off, pushes down on the pedal, and he just starts riding his bike first time. He's riding all over the place. In 15 minutes, he's riding everywhere. It's all great. He fell a couple of times, and the only times he fell... And by the way, this was Zach doing this, not Kate, Zach's wife. You know, Kate, he, he would have had a whole makeover, you know, the helmet, the pads, you know. No, this is dad taking him out. No pads, no elbows, no knees, you know, no helmet, just out there doing it. And he's all over. And the only time that he wrecked is when he stopped doing what Zach had told him to do. You know, he's looking back, he's looking at his brother or back at Zach. He's not watching where he's going, Boom. It's the same way with us. You know, we're saying, but God, why? God, why only sexual relations inside of a marriage? Why? God, why forgiveness over and over and over? Why? That doesn't seem to make sense. 
It seems like there's a better day, if, if, a way. If you withhold forgiveness, maybe there'll be a little more, you know, and you can sort of get them to feel worse and then, and that might modify, no. And Jesus says, no. And we have all these questions and we're in, especially in our relationships, we don't do what God says because somebody has done something against us, even in our marriages. And so we hold that against the person. We don't forgive, even though we might say that we've forgiven. We haven't because we're bitter. And then we don't really love them like we should love them. We don't really respect them like we should respect them because we have a better plan or we think we're the exception or we think, even though we have questions, the questions aren't answered and we just go on. And God's saying, trust me on this. I know more than you know. How many people think God knows more than, than you know personally? You know, about, what, two-thirds of the people just raised their hand. I'm going to give you one more chance. How many of you think that God knows more than you know? Yeah, hopefully that's all of us, especially if you're a believer. But even if you're not a believer, you might take a, a chance on that one. Right. Trust God. He, it, the number one attribute, the way God's explained to us, is as a father. He wants us to do well. He wants us to thrive, even through the storms. And he tells us how to do it. But we have to believe him. And so how do we build our life on the rock? Jesus uses three verbs. They're all connected with an and. I don't know if you noticed that, but he says, everyone who comes to me, but by the way, coming to Jesus is not enough. Not, not to put your foundation on the rock. Seeking and recognizing Jesus, even as an authority, not enough. That's the Lord, Lord. That, that's a term used for an authority. Lord, Lord, but I don't do what you say. So everyone who comes to me and hears my words. And so that's what we're doing here. We're here at church and we're gathered to, to look at some of Jesus' words, what God has to tell us in his word. But that's not enough either. You, we can come to Jesus recognizing him as authority. We can hear what Jesus has to say. That's not enough either. And then the third one, and acts on them. Third verb, and acts on them. Uh, amazingly, Jesus is just simply saying here at the end of this sermon, do what I say. I mean, that's all it amounts to. Do what I say. Do what I say. And that will build your life on the rock in all these areas. Marriage, work, family. Relationships are the most important areas, but other areas too. Mike mentioned that next week is baptism. Uh, Again, not trying to guilt anybody out here. Although if God's guilting you out, hear it. But baptism, once we have put our faith in Christ, once we've trusted Jesus and what he did on Calvary for our salvation, God says, follow him in believer's baptism. Believer's baptism means once you've done that, you go into a pool of water and you get dunked under the water what the word means well there's a whole bunch of christians and, and some even in our church 
that haven't done that. And, and there's a whole bunch of reasons. But our reasons, it's just saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. Do what God's asking you to do. And again, I'm not saying we earn our salvation with obedience. Remember, Jesus started his sermon saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's saying, hey, blessed are those who recognize that they're spiritually bankrupt and there's nothing they can do to earn heaven. Obedience will never earn heaven. Obedience is just what we're supposed to do. But once we've received salvation as a total gift, because we're not obedient enough, none of us are, so it's a total gift of salvation, and we get that as called grace, and we get that by putting our, through faith, by putting our trust in Jesus alone. But once we do that in gratitude, we will want to follow him. That's the obedience, and our life will be established on a rock foundation when we do what he says. Actually, John records Jesus saying this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How do we love God back for what he's done for us? Do what he says. It's an expression of love back to God. Every time we do life like Jesus tells us to do life, we're saying, God, I trust you. You're smarter than I am. Every time we follow God, we're in a messy situation and somebody's done us wrong and we want to withhold forgiveness but we don't or somebody's offended us in marriage and we don't want to love self-sacrificially anymore or we don't want to respect anymore. Every time you do it anyway, it pleases God. Do what he says. And Jesus wants us to know that if the storm hasn't already hit, you know, it's coming. And he says, hey, all other foundations will crumble. All other foundations, besides building your life on what Jesus says and doing it, all other foundations will crumble. In verse 49, he continues with this little short story. He says, but the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built his house on the ground without any foundation, and the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. Storms will always come. Life isn't easy. Jesus said we'll have trouble. And a lot of times I see this in people's lives. Well, and what's Jesus picturing? A house that is just destroyed, something like this. Here's this house, and then it eats the bank away, no foundation, just carries the house downstream, and then watch what happens to the house. It's not like you just replant it somewhere else. It's like a house garbage disposal. And then, what, 10 minutes later, no house. And so here's what I experience in my life is we do, you know, we do pastoral counseling. Uh, we talk to, to couples. Uh, sometimes, you know, it might be about parenting. It might be about their relationship. It might be about this. It might be about that. And then, you know, and a lot of times they're Christians, not always. I mean, I, we sometimes counsel non-believers. 
But if they're Christians, you know, we say, hey, the Bible's telling us some stuff about this. And they go, really? Yeah. And here's what it is. Here's what scripture says that you should do in marriage or you should do in parenting or you should do at work or whatever it is. Here's what the Bible says. And then people will say, and I'll say, do you believe that? And they'll say, yeah, I believe it. And I'll say, then why don't you do it? And they'll say, I'll think about doing that. And then we'll have another appointment. And then I'll say, well, how did it go? Well, I didn't do it. Well, why didn't you do it? I don't think I'm ready to do it. Well, when are you going to get ready? And then we'll have another appointment. I'll say, did you do it? Did you just, well, this and this and this is going on. But did you do what we both determined that God said you should do? Well, not exactly. Well, why not? And, and then there's a lot of verbiage there, but it's usually because I think I'm smarter than God. They'll never say that, but that's what's happening. And then now, lately, after counseling for 30 plus years, I've noticed that so much. What I do now is about week three, I stop and I say, hold it. And so if this was used, you know, I've done this to a lot of people, but I say, hold it, time out. Maybe I'm not the counselor for you because I'm not helping you. And a lot of times they'll say, but you've helped us. And I go, what? I don't understand. You are saying God tells you to do this, but you're not doing it. So I'm not getting this. And they say, well, I, I'm trying to do it. I'm getting there. But it's like, I feel this sense of urgency because I see their house floating down the stream and heading to the bridge. And so I'm like, but you gotta do it now. Why would you wait on this? Don't you realize every week that you wait, your house could completely crumble. I don't understand why you're taking the risk. I don't understand why you're not feeling this urgency that your life is gonna come crashing down. You don't have unlimited time. And that usually doesn't work. I mean, slowly, just in small increments. And things, if they keep going in small increments, and in the meantime, if their house isn't swallowed up, it gets better. But, but I'm always just wondering, well, why not just start out saying, hey, do I want to save this marriage? Do I want to help my kids? Do I want to do this right? And just go all in. And my thing is, what do, you, what, what do you have to lose to go all in? What are you afraid of might happen? Do you think any of us are going to get to heaven one day and say, you know, God, you said this and this and this, and I did that, and my life blew up. I'm telling you, that will not happen. What it'll always be is you said this, I heard it, but I didn't exactly do it, and my life blew up. And Jesus is saying, right, that's what I told you in my most famous sermon. If you heard anything from me, you probably heard that. Do what I say if you want your life to be on a rock foundation. Don't allow the world around you to shape your foundation. 
Don't allow, well, a friend of mine said this, or I feel, or your feelings. Don't let your feelings shape your, well, I feel like this. It just doesn't seem. What you're doing is you're just questioning God. But God can't answer all those questions for you. And if he did, you wouldn't understand it. Trust him. Just go with it. Trust him. And you'll be flying through life if you just do what he says. Through the storms even. If you just do what he says. Matthew includes some details that Luke doesn't. And Matthew tells us that at the end of all that, he records the reaction of the crowd. It's in Matthew 7, 28. It says, and when Jesus had finished these words, right after this story, the crowds, it says, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority, not as their scribes. You know, it's good to be amazed at the teaching of Jesus. But being amazed at his teaching, that's not enough to keep your life from crumbling. Are you following his teaching? In every area of our life, that's our challenge. And this is most important in the areas where we're having struggle. What's your biggest issue? What's your biggest struggle? Follow God. Trust God in that. Do that area of your life his way, like all your areas. Quit thinking that somehow I'm in a situation and my situation is the exception. It's not. Follow him. Let's stand and pray together as our team comes out and Aubrey leads us in a reprise of a song. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we are messed up people. All of us are. We all have flaws and issues. And Lord, some of these issues, we, we can see that our life is starting to crumble. It's, it's cracking. It's coming apart. And Lord, those are the areas, Lord, that we need to, to more than any other area, apply your truth and just do it. Trust you. Go all out. Because we have nothing to lose. And God, we thank you for giving us instruction like that. Even though we don't like all of it. Because we need it. And Lord, you haven't answered every question yet. And if you did, we wouldn't understand it anyway. But God, help us to trust you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you here next week at Grace.